This episode is brought to you by The One Summit, two days that would change your life forever. For tickets, go to theonesummit.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm Damien Kristoff. And I'm Brett Hill. And this is The Wellness Guy Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into our lives. And today we have a very special guest on the, today's podcast. And uh, Brett will be very excited about this because we're going to be talking a lot about nutrition and also long-distance performance. So, Damien, would you like to introduce our special guest for today? I would. Thank you, Lawrence. Uh, and Brett will be very excited about this because uh, Steph, our special guest today, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is a holistic nutritionist focused specifically on bringing holistic ingredients to people's training programs. So when people are out there busting their nut, exercising like crazy, going long distance, going hardcore, they no longer have to rely on gels and powders and synthetic formulas and all kinds of stuff that uh, that could be out in the marketplace because Steph's actually put together programs and foods and meals that actually assist with endurance and training and sports-based holistic nutrition. And, uh, and that excites all of us on the Wellness Couch and on the Wellness Guys. And so I'd like to welcome Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, to the Wellness Guys call today. Hi, guys, and thanks for having me. Steph, uh, you've uh, had an unbelievable escalation of fame in Australia uh, <laughs> with, uh, with your Natural Nutritionist um, website and your Facebook page. Um, you're reaching tens of thousands of people with a beautiful message about uh, holistic health surrounding food and diet and lifestyle. And when I met you, you know, really for the first time at the Metagenics Seminar just recently, um, it was so refreshing to see somebody um, who's focused on food uh, in nutrition as opposed to vitamins in nutrition. How did you get to this point yeah it was been it was a bit of a journey but um i definitely landed in nutrition by identifying a huge gap in the market with real food education i think um obviously the influence of the food pyramid and the the marketing and the industry sort of influence there i just really noticed that the messages were all back to front and upside down so I wanted to take on the role of simplifying the message but educating people around real food and particularly how that can create performance benefits. And like you mentioned, we're not having to rely on synthetic products and um, be brainwashed by the marketing that comes with those things. Nice, nice. I love that. I'm feeling a bit of performance anxiety here, Steph, because I feel like I have to be sufficiently excited to live up to the expectations Lawrence <laughs> and Damien have set. So, but I am very excited to have you on. Um, you know, one of the questions I get a lot from people is they say, oh, look, I'm thinking of going and studying nutrition or naturopathy or whatever it is. And, and they kind of have a, um, you know, they have a bent towards whole food or a bent towards paleo or vegetarian or whatever it happens to be. And they're kind of, uh, you know, they're concerned about going in and doing that study and how frustrating it might be and how they're going to get themselves through it you know how did you find it going through your studies you know were you really into whole food before you even started studying um and if so you know how did you get yourself through and, and how did you end up with this great mindset you've got now around whole food having come through that nutritional education yeah it's a great question because i get emails and questions about this on a weekly basis as well um i finished studying in 2009 so I guess the real food revelation, probably, uh, sorry, real food revolution probably hadn't really started back then. So it wasn't as huge an issue for me. Um, I did have to do a little bit of acceptance around the education in terms of it still being a sort of a food pyramid and 
particularly traditional sports nutrition approach. But at the same time, I knew I needed, um, quote, unquote, that piece of paper on the wall to be able to work in the industry that I love. So certainly you have to accept that you're not going to be taught everything that you believe in. Yeah. But there are better courses these days. Like a lot of people might want to start with something like the integrated nutrition course so they can get a qualification that is real food focused and at least start working in the industry. Mm. Yeah. But I, you know, I definitely taught myself a lot more and I keep up to date with the current research so that, you know, I can separate from my degree per se, which does have the real traditional uh, food pyramid approach. Mm. Steph, um, you know, obviously you've been doing some long course stuff for quite some time, you know, uh, as a long course triathlete. Um, it's just one of the things that I'm always interested in, when you first started, like when you first started uh, in, in this long distance stuff, did you start off with real food or did you start off with the gel packs and all that stuff? And how did you transition right. if you did? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I started in short course where fueling wasn't such an issue. So um, I guess that was my introduction to triathlon specifically. But there was a definite education around gels and certain brands which come directly from the coaches and the brands that they're affiliated with. So I sort of dabbled only really briefly in gels. I remember one long ride I was like forced to take one on the way back and I just thought it was so disgusting. <laughs> so from there I started to create the recipes and that's led, in, led further into the development of um my own homemade gel and the, and the real food versions that go with that. That's nice. It's kind of like sweet snot, isn't it? Like when you suck those things down, you bet they're disgusting, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd like that one, Bruno. Uh, I love it. It is salty and sweet and smooth. You know, it's kind of got all that. It's anyway, moving and on. And I hear stories about people that take 35 of them over the course of an Ironman triathlon, and I don't even understand how they're still upright. <laughs> Gross, hey. They're shorter, and there's got to be some cause of the cramp. So there's a lot of people that will listen to this, and you know, obviously this podcast will go out to you know potentially millions, if not billions of people. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought I'd say that too. Um, but uh, the, the, you know, you might be gearing up to go and do um, some of the events that you're actually also training for, and they're going, what do you mean? I'm not supposed to have gels. What do you mean I shouldn't have a powder as my electrolyte drink, you know, on the bike? Um, what's the transition like, you know, for these people? Is it easy for them to move from the synthetic stuff to the real stuff? You know, what, is it going to be tough for them? It does depend on the individual. I get a lot of people that have performance troubles or they have gut troubles from the synthetic products. So for them, the transition is usually really easy because, A, they're really happy to know there's another option and, B, they suddenly feel amazing and their their times are coming down but they're not having all the gut troubles that really um, affect their race day. So those people have a really smooth transition. There are others that find it a little bit harder because of the sort of the food prep involved. But I think more and more these days people are starting to really think about their internal health and, and what the long-term repercussions of this high-sugar, high-carbohydrate traditional sports nutrition approach has yeah yeah, yeah. i'm loving this because uh yeah <laughs> i did i did an ultra marathon and i did it with with whole food and was able to do that um and yeah. i thought that was you know it was just cool to see I, I actually designed my own electrolyte drink and um and i'm actually creating an ebook around that as we speak so you better great. hopefully yeah. see that pretty soon multitasking I know, not not literally as we speak. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, like, wow. <laughs> I know you would be doing that. Damien, I would. I was thinking, wow. 
<laughs> but I am at the moment. It's going to be coming out soon, which is pretty cool. And, and I think we're both very much on the same wavelength. So what I'd love you to talk a little bit about is what are the drawbacks of having all these sugars and, and yeah, perhaps the inflammation effects that can go mm. on in the body and you know, the drawbacks of all these chemicals and processed foods that go into these sports drinks and gels and stuff. You know, how does that actually affect people's bodies? Yeah, I think short term, the large issue is the fructose content of a lot of these gels. So um, fructose is becoming quite an intolerance, quite a common intolerance these days. Um, And that's usually the sugar that gives people the gastrointestinal upset. So short term, the consequences obviously affect performance and race day and they're um, really not pleasant experiences for people that do have those intolerances. I think more importantly, though, the long-term effects um, around inflammation, which obviously affects things like recovery and subsequent performance, and then longer again, a really high or such a high sugar intake is a pathway to diabetes. And we really need to keep that perspective, particularly I think people that are, are quite lean and fast, they don't feel like they need to change their approach because it's working for them. Mm-hmm. And if they're in their 20s, it they might not think long-term, but it's really important to consider the long-term complications of what you're doing, particularly with such a high sugar approach. And, and you can't outrun that sugar, can you? Well, no, it catches you eventually. Nice. <laughs> right. So you did there. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, Steph, so a couple of things I'd love to know, um, obviously, because you got a, I think you said you mentioned you have a book coming out soon. And so I would love to know what are some of the key principles that you're going to be describing in your book about nutrition and also, you know, distance? Yeah, firstly, it's um, centered a lot around metabolic efficiency. Mm-hmm. So I think the traditional message is certainly taking on the external or um, fuel, which obviously has a link to um, spend and, and the marketing around the companies that are involved, whereas my approach is more to teach the athletes to become more efficient and to be able to burn more fat as a source of fuel, and that's both at rest and in training. So we start with some day-to-day strategies around real food and reducing the reliance on carbohydrates. So we're definitely not following the the standard, you know, six to 11 serves of whole grains a day. What we do is we focus on real food and um, a higher protein and good fat percentage. So we're not filling our body with carbohydrates all day, but we're focusing on the more nutrient-dense approaches. And when we do eat carbohydrates, we prioritize our vegetables and particularly post-training things like higher starches from potatoes and swedes and even a little bit of quinoa. It's really great to eat in the post-exercise window to help with recovery and subsequent performance, but we're not relying on, on the starches all day, every day. Oh, I love that. I love that, Steph. Steph, um, you mentioned quinoa and I'm a big fan of quinoa. I love it. Um, with regards to your recipes and your outlook and your approach to nutrition, hmm. um, have you had any particular? I mean, it appears that you, you've got some kind of an influence from a, a, I suppose, a primal sense or even a paleo sense um, with some of your recipes. Um, you're definitely gluten free, which I absolutely love because I think that gluten is harmful to all human beings. How did you frame your knowledge? Did you did you read some books from some, some people or has it just kind of been organic? Because I'm looking at your recipes at the moment and not only do they look delicious, your photos of the food are incredible. So I'm thinking, <laughs> where did you get all this inspiration from? Is it something that you just thought this fits better, feels better or did you learn about it? 
Oh, it's definitely scientifically based. I think um, the traditional sports nutrition approach really um, sends the message that we've got this unlimited tank and that we're trying to put more and more food in and that the storage capacity is unlimited, which when you really think about it, it, it it's not possible. Mm. If we think about our muscle glycogen stores, which is simply where the carbohydrate is stored and it's like our fuel tank, our body's petrol, yep. I like to use the analogy of a sink. So once a sink is full, it's full. If you keep try, trying to put more fuel or, in this case, carbohydrates into that sink, it's, it's going to overflow. And that overflow is what leads to fat storage. That's true. That's so true. We need to really keep that perspective in mind when we're hearing things like, you know, the ridiculous grams of carbohydrates a day or things like the carbohydrate loading in race, in race week, which is one of the biggest myths in the <laughs> as cheap as that. industry. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, so I think a really simple perspective makes it pretty clear. It's another reason why we do eat the the starchier veggies and things like quinoa post-training, because you just want to top that sink up to help with recovery, to help with subsequent performance. Yeah. But once the sink is full, it's full. Yeah, right. So you're not necessarily grain-free and you're not um, – you're definitely gluten-free. Uh, are you dairy-free as well? My approach isn't, isn't dairy-free, but I definitely don't um, believe that anyone needs to drink cow's milk. Mm-hmm. And I've got a few articles on the website. There's one called Dairy the Scoop that might be helpful to people wanting to know more. Yep. But in short, um, a little bit of goat's feta or uh, goat's milk, if it's tolerated by the individual, has its place. It's still not you know, necessarily an everyday food and it doesn't fall under our most nutrient-dense foods, which we should be focusing predominantly on the protein, the good fats and the non-starchy veggies with every meal. Yeah, I love that. And well, obviously, you're talking about getting people to use fat as fuel and, and I guess sort of converting people from just being sort of carb burners into being more fat burners as well. And, and that seems to be sort of a, a common approach now that a lot of people are moving towards. Uh, what do you then do on race day? You know, a lot of people will then say, well, okay, well, I've sort of converted to this fat burner, but then on race day, I'll have a little bit more carbs so I can use, you know, I can sort of have both fuel sources going on race day. Is that the sort of approach you take? No, I think that's the biggest mistake you could ever make because nothing new happens on race day. So (laughs) your nutrition starts, well, it should already be happening, but say you start working with a nutritionist to make some changes and it needs to be, you know, eight to 12 weeks out from your race and what you practice in training is what you take into race day. So if you're training fasted or if you're training on natural fuels or 30 grams an hour or 45 grams an hour, that's exactly what you do on, on race day. Mm, cool very nice now i'm disappointed that it's not the food that i eat that makes me run faster that day <laughs> it's all the stuff that i had to eat before um so steph run, um, um, what run yeah me yeah i'm just talking about running down like the block that was a joke wasn't so, it yeah. <laughs> i'm a baseball player man i just run around the bases so um steph i love to know from a mindset point of view i mean i know we're gonna just move a little bit away from nutrition if that's okay with you but i mean i know that a lot of people just think you know running a long course triathlon is just like so far from their from their minds of ability to do it you know what are some of the things how did you transition um to kind of get into the mind space of really putting your head down and actually deciding yes i'm going to go from short course to long course and was it difficult transition mentally or was it just a physical challenge that you wanted to kind of overcome I think it's a little bit of both. Um, some, I think one thing people need to remember is that everybody is an athlete. 
you know, I get a lot of emails saying that, you know, some, I'm, I'm, only, I'm only this fast or I'm this slow and they don't really see themselves as an athlete. But at the end of the day, there's only a few people that stand on the podium. And so I think if it's a personal challenge for you, a great strategy is to take a step back from, say, the comparisons or the times or the fact that you're not as fast as him or her, if it's something that you really want to achieve as a personal goal, then you just have to focus on you and and being a better version of you each day. And yes, the training's hard, but you build into that. And, you know, you work with a coach and you might have a a triathlon coach and a nutritionist that helps periodize things that, you know, it definitely does become more achievable when you break it down into smaller chunks and and then at the same time work towards a a great long-term goal. Hey, Steph, um, all of this is so cool. And I know that it's, all the listeners are going to get so much from this, which is awesome. So I know that people will be smiling and nodding as I ask this question. Mm-hmm. When people come to, to you know, interact with you and they jump online and they see you on Facebook and they can ask questions on Facebook, they can also get different types of programs from you. So you've listed all your different types of programs as things like free from gluten. So it's obviously teaching people how to take gluten out of their lives, right, which is good. Back to basics, actually doing a cleanse. And I noticed that you're actually starting a cleanse as we, you know, as we start this week, Day which is fun. Cool. Day one. Glad we got you today, not tomorrow. Yeah, that's what I thought. I timed it quite well, Damo. I love that. There's elite performance, high performance, personalized nutrition plans, professional program development. There's so many different things that you offer. And now I don't want to sell it short at all, but do people is it really that complicated that it's got to be that different? Or do you just kind of get here's your this is what you need to do, everybody, and this is how you tweak it for what you're trying to achieve? Is that kind of how you go? Yeah, the, the education is the same around real food and it just depends on the on the athlete's goal. I always teach nutrient timing, which is the, the timing of when to eat, the, say, the starchy carbohydrates. We go through strategies around fat adaptation, so metabolic efficiency and food prep. And at the end of the day, the education doesn't change. The programs are more about, say, the amount of support or accountability the individual, individual might need. Nice, yeah. Um, depending on what stage they're at. Um, And the other options are I actually also work with professionals so to help education with, say, personal trainers and people that are in the industry that that don't have a qualification but that want my sort of stamp of approval and education as well. So in terms of making it simple, um, the best way is to shoot me an email and I can point the the athlete or the individual in the right direction but the education the message is is yeah real food and the specific sports nutrition that we do tailor to the individual nice steph hey uh, steph i'm a bit of a lousy cook so i always tend to ask this same question of everyone but i'd really like to know uh, some of your favorite recipes so you know what are your favorite recipes what are your favorite foods you like to have i guess uh, pre-race you know what do you like to eat during the race and what do you like to have post-race yeah that's a good question um I train fasted actually, so I also race fasted. So I don't actually have anything before I go other than maybe a bulletproof coffee, depending on if I'm detoxing or not. <laughs> wow, wow, that's big. Yep. Um, during a race, I have a natural gel recipe, which is called Freedom Fuel. So it's a combination of raspberries, lemon and salt for electrolytes and obviously uptake, and um, a little bit of either coconut oil or MCT oil, depending on nice. if the individual does take a, a sort of a fat approach into their training and racing. Um, So I take that for my liquid fuel and if I'm racing on solids, I'll make one of my no-bake energy bars, which is a combination of quinoa, nuts, coconut, rice malt syrup, a little bit of salt. So that's my solid. 
Um, and I work off about 30 grams an hour, but I obviously have worked pretty hard to not need much fuel. So it's not where you start if you've been running off 90 grams an hour, for example, but it's certainly um, a place to, to work backwards to, to, to need to take on less because you're using more of your internal store, so that fat adaptation. Nice. And um, post-training, I always make a smoothie because I think it's a great way to get nutrients in when we know that we're trying to get nutrients in the hour post-training, but at the same time, our body's not really ready to sit and digest. So <laughs> yeah. liquid You don't necessarily sauce. feel like eating, do you, straight up? No, <laughs> if your heart rate's just coming down out of your mouth, then you're certainly not ready for you know steak and veg. So a smoothie is a great way to get nutrients and, and nutrient density, so carbohydrates from fruit, but also good fats and protein to help accelerate the recovery process. And at the same time, they're really portable, so you can have them the night before ready-made or you can have them at training. So there's really no excuse to miss that post-training window, which is really essential and I would say as important as that training session and obviously certainly important after a race to help start that recovery process. And so what's going into your smoothie, Steph? So I always do fats from chia and avo, avocado. I um, usually put greens from either spinach or kale or whatever's in the fridge, um, cinnamon for blood sugar control. I use mostly water but sometimes a little bit of coconut or almond milk if I've made some and I use either a natural whey or pea protein depending on if I'm detoxing or not. So at the moment it's pea protein because I'm having no, no whey, no dairy. Mm, nice. So into a blender with a bit of ice and it's a liquid meal. Beautiful. That sounds great. On the same topic on food then, um, obviously, you know, you just talked about, you know, on race days and, and after. What about your, does your diet or food intake change when you're not training or, you know, just on a regular basis? Because I'd love to know, you know, on a day-to-day basis, how does your food change fluctuate through the week? Yeah, so I live by nutrient timing and I do take an 80-20 approach because it's certainly more long-term and sustainable. Mm-hmm. But what I mean by nutrient timing is that, it's the consumption of the starchy carbohydrates post-training. So if I'm not training, I eat a relatively low-carbohydrate, high-fat diet that's still nutrient-dense with proteins, good fats, and non-starchy veggies at every meal. And then how that changes when I'm training is that I always have a portion of the complex starchy carbohydrates in that post-training meal. So it's predominantly sweet potato or quinoa or I throw some fruit into my smoothie. And, and that's probably the only difference. In terms of volume, I'll eat a little bit more when I'm training, but um, I still probably only eat three or four times a day, not your standard five or six anyway. Far out. Far out. That's unreal. This will be blowing a lot of athletes' minds, which is great. I've been, been working with a number of um, elite triathletes uh, recently um, who have come to the practice just through, you know, just – through me actually i met one guy on the on a trip to bali in fact you know it was just you know i enjoyed that thanks lt for that that was great um but uh the nutrition information that they're being given by their coaches is nothing short of appalling and uh when i suggest to them that maybe they drop a bit of their carb out and and bring in a bit more fat or bring in a bit more protein um you can kind of see their eyes roll into the back of their head and it's almost like it shorts a fuse in their body it's uh, it's amazing so with these guys um and girls cuz you know I've been working with some hockey players too and they're just a little bit taken aback because they're continually told of the AIS and the VIS and you know I'm not sure what the other institute for sports are in other you know states but mm-hmm. they're continually told that the um that the nutrition model that they have to follow in order to 
um, get the results. And to be able to stay at the VIS or to stay at the AIS has to be according to what the dietitians say. And, of course, that's all going to be um, grain-laced and mm. high-carb and all that sort of stuff. What, how do you get around that, Steph? Yeah, so there's a challenge there because the education hasn't caught up with the current research and that's similar to the question that we had about the university degrees and the nutrition courses. So um, I think we need to remember that nutrition is really relative. There's no way that there can be one approach that works for everybody. Um, And so I would actually flip it around, Damien, in terms of maybe educating those athletes and, and ask them how they're feeling and if they're always hungry or if they're performing well or, or if they're recovering. Yeah. I find that people that are on that approach, they are yeah. always hungry because they're always eating carbohydrates and sugars and they actually find it impossible to, to, to eat that much food or to prep that much food or to buy that much food. Yet as soon as you get them to eat less carbohydrates and get full on protein, good fats and non-starchy veggies – they have satiety, so they're not needing to eat every two hours. Yeah. Suddenly they're only eating every four, and they may be getting leaner or faster or stronger, and then they've got the evidence. So they're only rolling their eyes now because they don't have any proof. They don't have any evidence that it works. When they experience that firsthand, there's no way they go back. And would you say injuries and inflammation would be something to, to sort of question and query them about as well? Yeah, great point. Absolutely. If they're always injured or if they're always sick, then it's definitely um, the food they're eating or their and or their gut health. So, you know, we make some changes to pulling out the inflammatory foods like gluten and refined sugar and dairy for many. And then we address gut health with real food and obviously fermented foods and the addition of probiotics. And so I guess as far as uh, sources you know, if, of information, if there's athletes out here listening to this, um, obviously your website is going to be the first place that they're going to want to go and check it out. But where else can they get this sort of information and where, the, where should they be looking to see, I guess, the up-to-date research that you're talking about? And do you mean in terms of sports nutrition? Yeah. I would probably direct them to more of a, a paleo or a primal type approach, to be honest, because um, I don't follow any other sports nutritionists that have a similar approach to me. Um, I do think that uh, there are a couple of resources I can direct them to, like the Paleo Diet for Athletes is great. Yeah. There's some information. Um, it's a book by, you would know, like Kadane, and it's got some great yeah. information around, um, yeah, I would say metabolic efficiency and real food for performance and recovery. So that's yeah, a great resource. Um, and other than that, I would say probably focus more on just real food, real food education which you can get from, um, have you you guys seen the new Walls Protocol by Terry Walls? That's a great real food. Yeah, approach. absolutely. We, we just interviewed her about that on the on that paleo show the other day. She's yeah, awesome. I knew I heard an interview with, with <laughs> her with you guys somewhere. <laughs> yeah. um, but any sort of real food paleo or primal approach would certainly um, take an athlete away from the standard sports nutrition approach and, and get them to think more about real food and how that can help their goals. Yeah. And Tim Noakes is another one who's sharing lots of great information on that front, particularly as it relates to athletes. And and actually, I was going to ask you about some of his stuff, Steph. I'm not sure how much of his you've seen, but I was reading some stuff of his the other day because obviously I was doing some research into this electrolyte sports drink. And, uh, and he's now sharing some information and talking about perhaps we've been overselling the benefits of drinking lots of water when you're exercising and perhaps we've been overselling the benefits of electrolytes as well. Um, have you read some of his stuff and, and what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I know Tim Noakes' stuff quite well. Um, I've read Waterlogged and um, I do definitely think his low-carb, high-fat approach has some huge benefits for athletes. Um, in terms of the the overhydration issue, it's actually quite big in something like an Ironman or an ultra run because I think um, we're certainly told to drink X litres per hour yeah. and a lot of people don't actually work out anything to be relative when you can do a simple uh, sweat test to have a look at your own fluid losses and then, you know, you base your uh, sorry your hydration and your electrolyte plan around something that's a lot more relative. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think that people um, are probably just listening to what, say, a certain brand of sports drink. I nearly said a name then, but I probably well, I probably shouldn't. Um, a certain careful, sports drink brand tells you to drink and, and and how that helps your performance when really we need to look at how our own body functions. And natural electrolytes are found in things like citrus fruit and there's nothing wrong with some Himalayan salt to enhance the uptake into the mm. cells. So we certainly need to bring it back to nature and to, to make it really relative. So I do love that. Tim Noakes is leading the way in our field. Yeah. Stuff, fabulous stuff. Thank you so much for your time, your expertise, and your knowledge here. Um, the Natural Nutritionist, uh, where was, you know, obviously, is there, because you're pretty big on, on social media at the moment, and uh, where can people find you and, you know, get connected with you? Yeah, Facebook is a great way to start because all the new recipes and articles get shared straight through to my Facebook page. So it's just facebook.com forward slash The Natural Nutritionist. Mm-hmm. I do post a lot of what I'm eating day to day, so not just the fancy recipes that get photographed, but the real food that I eat on a day-to-day basis. And if anyone wants to follow my six-week detox, which I am starting today, there'll be pics on Instagram, so that's The Natural Nutritionist as well. And my website is thenaturalnutritionist.com.au, and I'm about a month away from a new launch, so there'll be plenty of giveaways and announcement around my Natural Fueling ebook and hard copy so head to the website and um subscribe there to keep up to date with what's happening oh that's fantastic stuff thank you so much for your time and uh again it's been great to have you on the show thanks so much for having me guys great to chat hey guys while you're on facebook uh, go to facebook.com slash the wellness guys make sure you like us there and comment below this particular episode and tell us what you think of stuff and uh, share this podcast with your friends and your families and other strangers you think need a wellness update subscribe to us on itunes and while you're there leave us a five-star rating and leave a comment there on itunes there until next week begin creating wellness into your lives lead by example and let's change the world's health together join us next week on the wellness guys show Hi, Kim Morrison here from Up For A Chat. Cindy, Karen and I cannot wait to arrive in Melbourne for this year's event. The Wellness Couch publishes over 300 podcasts per year, but there is only one Wellness Summit in 2014 and we want you to be there. We want to meet our listeners and share with you the information that we simply cannot put onto a podcast. If you're ready to take your health and your life to another level, then join us crazy Up For A Chat girls, the gorgeous just hunk of spunk wellness guys and some very special guests at this year's summit tickets are just 297 dollars and are available at thewellnesssummit.com can't wait to see you there this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives
Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.